Hello, All Nations Church, along with any visitors who are viewing this on YouTube or Facebook. It's great to be able to share with you today. Now, my name's Ian, and I have the privilege of serving as part of the eldership team here at All Nations. And we're now on part seven of our series through Exodus entitled, Let My People Go. Now, last week, Josh Ratu did an excellent job of taking us through the events of the first Passover. What saved the Israelites then was the blood of an unblemished lamb. But that was a one-off deal. What saves us today is the blood of Jesus Christ, and that covers us for eternity. Now, the outcome of that first Passover night was that the Israelites went free after over 400 years in captivity. God then leads them through the desert with a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. However, Pharaoh then changes his mind, or as Exodus 14.4 tells us, he had his heart hardened by God. He then decides to pursue the Israelites through the desert with his chariots. We'll thus rejoin the story in Exodus chapter 14, starting at verse 10, as Pharaoh and his chariots catch up with the people of God camped by the sea. We'll read that in a minute, but first, it will be good to pray. Father God, we, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that events even thousands of years ago can resonate with us today. Teach us about your will and your purposes. We ask, Holy Spirit, you'll be opening eyes, hearts, minds, ears, everything, so that we can hear what you have to say to us this morning. Amen. So, let's read Exodus 14 together, starting at verse 10, and I'll be reading from the NIV. Now, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Amen. Now, have you ever been stuck or thought you were about to get stuck, really stuck in a tricky situation? Now, I had a, a very, very minor version of that recently. My wife Caroline and I, we were fortunate to escape lockdown last week for a while to the Staffordshire countryside. It was beautiful, but some of the roads were very, very narrow. 
Now, on the way back from a day out, following the sat-nav as you do these days, I turned down one of those roads which was labeled unsuitable for heavy vehicles. Now, we had eaten quite a lot that week, admittedly, but we probably still didn't qualify as a truly heavy vehicle. So I proceeded. The road got narrower, twistier, steeper, and I was starting to regret my decision. And then I saw the sign, Ford ahead. <laughs> my heart sank. <laughs> it had been raining a lot, and my car's not a four by four. If the Ford was deep, there's no way we could have got across. And with a Ford ahead, a narrow road, no room to turn around, and, and miles of st steep, twisty road behind us, and I'm the world's greatest reverser, I started to feel rather doomed, trapped. Now, we were lucky. The ford was only a few inches deep. We safely crossed and were soon on wider roads again. But I got a glimpse, a, a mere glimpse, a trivial glimpse, you could say, of that feeling of dread and terror when your options start receding and you can only see disaster on all sides. Now, that one was completely my fault. I was that stupid idiot who followed his sat-nav and hadn't planned his journey properly. Put my hand up to that one. But the Israelites in our passage today had done nothing wrong at all. They had followed God's leading and done all that was asked of them. And yet they still found themselves in a desperate situation, well and truly trapped between the seemingly uncrossable waters ahead and the thundering chariots behind them. So what does Moses say to the people? Let's reread that, re that bit of the passage. Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Stand firm. Now, that sounds all well and good, but what does it actually mean? Well, let's unpack that a little. And as I've been thinking and, and praying about this passage, to me, the first part of stand firm is actually to stop moaning. Now, we have to remember this wasn't the people's fault. They were following the Lord and his pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. You might have thought that a bit of a moan was in order. Let's remind ourselves what they said. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Bit of a moan, perhaps. And firstly, many commentators here see a very heavy dose of sarcasm. Egypt was apparently very well known for its elaborate graves, tombs, and burial rites. There were no shortages of graves in, in, in Egypt, absolutely. But leaving that aside, we can see one of the problems of even a seemingly justifiable moan. It, it can cause selective memory. The people say, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? And yes, at times the people had expressed their frustrations, especially in chapter five, which I got to preach about a few weeks ago. You remember, they were forced to make bricks without straw. However, if we cast our eyes further back to chapter three, when God called Moses via the burning bush, we read, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. 
So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And in their moaning, the people were focusing only on their current problems. They'd seemingly forgotten the centuries of oppression and slavery and the years of crying out for rescue. Now, that's a challenge for me. That's a challenge for us, church. When things get tough, do we tend to get a selective memory? Do we tend to forget God's promises to us? God did have a plan all along. He had led them to this place so that he might give them a mighty victory. But at the crucial moment, the people seemingly lost faith, forgot the promises, started to moan. Friends, let's not be a moaning people. Now that doesn't mean we can't call out things which are wrong. That doesn't mean that we can't correct and admonish one another. But let's try and steer clear of a negative spirit, a spirit that's quick to see in disaster in every opportunity. God does have a plan. So if the first part of standing firm is to stop moaning, what else does it mean? I think another important aspect of this is don't panic. Don't panic. Now, depending upon your age and preferences, the phrase don't panic will either conjure up images of Clive Dunn as Lance Corporal Jones in Dad's Army, or the all-important cover of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Or maybe if you're significantly younger than me and don't have the gray hairs, none of the above, in which case, apologies for my reminiscing. But it's clear here that I think there was a bit of a panic going on, and maybe justifiably. Now, Moses did manage to calm them down. But is there anything, I wonder, as I read this, that we can do as Christians to help essentially vaccinate ourselves, inoculate ourselves against panic at tricky times? I think there is. Now, if we look at people who often find themselves in extreme situations, the armed forces, emergency services, A&E hospital workers, and many others who often find themselves in these situations where an ordinary person, if you like, could panic, they don't. Why not? Training. Training. They've been trained in what to do and how to respond. And it's this training that kicks in at these critical times to take over from the potential panic response. So the question, therefore, is what does this training look like for a Christian? And there's no great secrets or hidden wisdom here. I guess it's the things that we're hopefully all doing already, getting scripture deep inside of us, spending time in prayer, making ourselves accountable to others, helping each other in their walk, and so on. But I just want to spend a few moments amplifying that and reaffirming our identity in Christ because that's perhaps the easiest thing for us to lose sight of when situa situations occur that can lead us into panic. Now, theologians have the notion of something called eschatological tension. I can hardly say it this morning, eschatological tension. The fact that the kingdom is both now, but also not yet. And this is summed up perhaps in, in two scriptures I'll very briefly read. We read in Revelation 21.4 that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Sounds great, doesn't it? But we also read in John 16.33, in this world, 
you will have trouble. Hmm. But of course, that verse in John goes on to say, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Now, our identity needs to be caught up in the truth of this now and yet not yet kingdom that we live in. Yes, difficulties, trouble, grief are still very much part of human life, but we do not suffer without hope. My go-to place when I'm feeling in tough situations is the Psalms. And I want to end this section on encouraging us not to panic in the face of adversity by reminding us of Psalm 22. It's a long psalm and no time to read it all. I'd encourage you, if you have time, read it. But David starts off crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Could say he's starting with a moan. But then the passage goes on through and he starts remembering the various things God has done. God has done. And he ends with, it shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. And that, my friends, is the journey that we need to train ourselves to go, up, go along. It's right to cry out when we're suffering. It's right to cry out when things look bleak. But then if we follow the pattern of this amazing psalm, we start to remember all the wonderful things that God has done for us. We rediscover our identity in him. The panic fades, quells. And we can refocus on praise and worship of an almighty, powerful God. So going back to our passage in Exodus today, we've seen that standing firm means stopping moaning, avoiding panic. Is there anything else? Yes, absolutely. The next thing we need to do is open our ears, listen. For me, the whole point of standing firm, of stopping our moaning and panic is to get us to a point where we're listening again. All the time we're crying out is actually very hard for us to hear. We need to re reach that place of quiet so that we can hear what God is saying to us. And that's what happens in this passage. Moses seemingly manages to get the people to quieten down and then, then God speaks. See it in verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Now in truth, that's as much a mild rebuke as anything else. But for me, the whole point of standing firm is to get us to that point where we can listen and to take on board such messages. All the time we're moaning and panicking, we're a long way from being able to move on, which is what the people here are being called to do. And move on is the final part of what it means to stand firm. Standing firm is not a position to hold forever. It's the place of regathering before we do that, move on as God has called us. It's the place of opening our eyes to the miracles that he wants to work. Now, I've managed so far to get through nearly a whole preach without mentioning any of the huge issues of the day, COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, everything else that's going on in this strange world at the moment. But the framework that we've seen here of how to respond when things seem really tough can be applied, I think, to these and to other situations. When things seem bleak, when things seem tough, we need to stand firm. 
We certainly need to cry out to God, but we need to ensure that doesn't tip over into outright moaning and negativity. We need to stop panicking and do all that we can to train and equip ourselves to resist the panic that can so easily rise. And we need to remember who we are in Christ. I would always recommend spending some time in the Psalms and seeing how David moves from despair to praise time and time again. And then my friends, we need to listen. And once we've heard, we need to move on in the direction that God is leading us, despite the obstacles. So actually, what I'm gonna do now is something that I would do if we were all gathered here physically in front of me right now. But it may seem rather strange on video, and if it doesn't work, that's on me. But Holy Spirit can work even through YouTube, even through video, so we're gonna try it anyway. And what we're gonna try is to just have a few seconds of silence for us to listen to what God is saying to each one of us about the challenges that we as individuals are living with at the moment. I'd encourage each and every one of you listening to take the next 30 seconds or so to listen to what God is saying to you about the challenges that you face. So let's just be quiet for a bit. Okay, thank you, I hope that works for you. But brothers and sisters, if you've heard something just now, I urge you to share it with someone else. That could be family or friend. Or if we here in leadership can potentially help them, please do contact us. And also if you feel that you've heard nothing and would like prayer for the situation that you're in, absolutely, please do contact us as well. We'd love to be able to pray for you and all that you're facing right now. But now that we've made space to listen, we need to remember the exhortation in this passage to move on. Again, I'd encourage you to make yourself accountable to somebody over this. Share where you're being called to move on to. Share the direction you think God's taking you in. And that's where I'd like to end today's message, church. We absolutely need to stand firm in hugely challenging times. For church, let's not get stuck there. Let's be a people ready, willing, and able to move on in all that God has for us. And I hope, you, that you, I hope that you're with me in that. Amen. Now, shall we pray? Thank you, Father God, that you hear us when we cry out to you. Thank you that you want us to be real with you. You want us to express our frustrations you want us to follow that pattern that we see David using the Psalms where we're so completely honest about where we're at. And I thank you that you equip us through your Holy Spirit, scripture and the ministry of one another to deal with all that life throws with us. You do not want us to be a people living in fear or panic. So Father, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd help us to stand firm when life gets tough, 
and there seems to be no escape. Please help us to not descend into negativity, moaning and panic, but rather to find that place of peace in the storm where we can hear what you're saying to us. And then, Father, we ask that you'd help us all in the power of the Holy Spirit to move on as you are leading us, as individuals, as a church here in Bedford, and as the church universal across the globe. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love you if you're able to join the Zoom after this call. If you're a member of All Nations, that link will have been sent out to you. If you're watching this live, and want to contact us in the comments and we'll see if we can get the link to you so you can join in. But thank you very much and have a wonderful rest of your day.